let your hair fall off naturally. No cancer in this hair. Welcome to Class of 03, the podcast that revisits the year 2003 and all the ways it's shaped our world. I'm your host, Helen Grossman, and this is episode eight, The Simple Life. So this is actually the second episode in our Eat the Rich sequence. Last episode, I spoke with Hannah Becker about the MTV reality show Rich Girls, which premiered only about a month before uh, The Simple Life came out. The Simple Life season one premiered on December 2nd, 2003, and immediately catapulted Paris Hilton and Nicole Richie from socialite to really like the first bona fide reality TV superstars. The premise of the show was simple, a fish out of water concept that plucked these heiresses out of Beverly Hills, took their credit cards away, took their sidekick phones away and placed them in a small town called Altus, Arkansas. They stayed with the family on a farm. And uh, for 30 days, for a month, and worked numerous jobs around the town so that they could experience real life for a month. And these were their first jobs ever, supposedly. So they they did everything from work at a dairy farm to a gas station to a livestock auction and perhaps most famously at Sonic. It's not a spoiler to tell you that they were fired from pretty much every job they had on the show. That was just like part of the gimmick. You'll hear in the show that Nicole Richie is really like the star of this show. She's so funny. But... Paris Hilton is really the most iconic embodiment of Y2K and the simple life and so by extension 2003 was her breakout moment. But right before the show premiered, a sex tape Paris had made in 2001 with her then boyfriend leaked on the internet and later that same guy packaged and sold the tape. At this critical juncture in her life and in her career, and she was only 22 years old, she was playing this character on The Simple Life as privileged and ditzy. Simultaneously, as she's getting super famous from having this show, she's becoming even more famous for the sex tape that she had not consented to releasing. This would come to define Paris for decades, and only recently has she really emerged from the grip of the effects of this, the release of this sex tape. In her memoir that came out this year, Paris wrote that she had taken quaaludes and gotten really drunk before making that tape. 
There's an article in the November 2003 issue of Rolling Stone called Princess Paris by Vanessa Gregoriadis. And when the sex tape is mentioned, Paris's rep is quoted as saying Paris was nearly unconscious in the video. So this has actually been a consistent explanation for two decades that people just weren't really paying attention to or didn't listen to. And I'll put a link to this Rolling Stone article, Princess Paris, in the show notes. It's a really great read. Paris Hilton and the author, Vanessa Gregoriadis, go clubbing around the Sunset Strip. Later, in 2013, there's a thought catalog piece that comes out as Paris Hilton was trying to like revive her career and her public image. The author of this essay in Thought Catalog interviews Vanessa Gregoriadis about this night that she spent with Paris Hilton in 2003. Vanessa Gregoriadis shared this theory about where Paris Hilton's career went wrong. And she says Paris, when they were hanging out, was really cool, was funny, dark, kind of a tomboy. According to Vanessa, and later this is confirmed in Paris's documentary and her memoir, Paris created this girly girl persona that has nothing to do with the real her. She goes on to say that if Paris had been vulnerable, if she had just been herself, a quote, gawky dark girl who liked to dance and smoke weed, she would still be a huge star, end quote. Who knows if Paris ever would have been afforded the grace of just being herself and still being an icon. The early 2000s, as we know, were not that forgiving. So with that in mind, in your own rewatching of The Simple Life, look for the glimmers of the real Paris. I'm revisiting The Simple Life season one with my friend and screenwriter, culture writer, Kirsten King. I loved our conversation. We spent a lot of time talking about the United We Stand marquee on at the Sonic drive-in that as a slogan is pretty much 2003 in a nutshell uh maybe only second to half price salty anal wieners so (laughs) enjoy our conversation and thanks so much for listening My name is Kirsten King. I am a screenwriter and general cultural writer working in Los Angeles. In 2003, I was, I think, 11 years old. So I was a little baby, but I also remember the year, the moment, the the cultural conversation happening uh, in 2003 quite well. It was a big, it was a big year. That was my first bra year, actually. Wow. 10 years old. I don't think I, I definitely didn't need it. I still don't need it, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but at 10, you want it. Yeah, you want you it. Know? And you like want to learn how to shave your legs. You oh, want to yeah. like, yeah, you're going through all that. I was using Nair for the first time wow. in 2003, so. Nair was, was big in 03. Yeah, it yeah. was, it was, yeah. There was a whole song, right? Oh my god, I don't remember the Nair song. Maybe I'm thinking of It feels like there jingle. would be a yeah. song though for Nair. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely the, it, there has to Nair. be a jingle to there convince was the you to song. like, yeah. you know, put chemicals on your skin and burn your hair off. Absolutely. There's got to be a jingle for that. Yeah. The jingle is there's no cancer in this Nair. <laughs> Oh, let your hair fall off naturally. No cancer in this hair. 
<laughs> um, so we're talking the simple life today. But before then, like, what are some of your other memories of this year? You were, you know, this is the year when you're 10, you're sort of just starting to really like define 10 to 11. You're really starting to like define your personal identity yeah. around identification yeah. and things that you associate with this was the year my parents got divorced okay. <laughs> so yeah it was I'm pretty sure it was the year my parents got divorced and it was also a great year for obviously culture which like you're going to cover on this podcast so much and I think that in that time of divorce that was very important for me to just lose myself in these little brainless television shows mm. and um so it was definitely a hard year for me but also you're a kid and you're figuring out, yeah, you're figuring out who you are. And I think I didn't totally, obviously I didn't have a defined sense of self. I was also, you know, I'm queer, bisexual, and I was figuring that out at that time. I remember that was like one of the years where I had like a crush on this girl who was in my neighborhood and desperately trying to push that down and hide that. Mm. So um, a very big year for me life-wise. You know, it's interesting because like, there is also a lot of conversation in 03 around like the um, rise in divorce rates. Mm. This is just something I've been thinking about. Oh, yeah. Um, even the song Hey Ya, which yeah. is like such a happy-go-lucky yeah. song, is actually about how like no one can, like Stay there's no sort of yeah. purpose in keeping relationships together anymore. Like our parents That's figured so... it out, but they're not really happy. I mean, my mom had my sister and I both when she was under like under 25 mm -hmm. which is crazy because yeah. i think about what i was doing under 25 and i was just a fucking moron um so to think that my mom had us both and then and then it is in her early 30s at this time and is like asking for for a divorce and still has like a shit ton of life to live mm -hmm. so it, it makes sense because i think a lot of uh, our parents had us pretty young and then reached that point um, of like still feeling like a young person that wanted to like live and in, in be independent um, from the fam family obligations. segue into the simple life we we really get this contrast right of like this family this nuclear family in Arkansas Altus Arkansas that like a tornado like the tornado in episode <laughs> I think seven. Oh my god right season one yeah Nicole Richie and Paris Hilton just blast on in yeah. and shake things up. Oh my gosh. And I remember that first episode where they're having their goodbye party at Paris Hilton's home <laughs> and their whole family and friends are gathered and they buy $2,000, a $2,000 pair of shoes to take to the farm with them. <laughs> oh yeah. Like it is just such, um, an excellent snapshot into both both now and then and that like these class divides are still just as prevalent right now as they were then but this was like the first time that you got to see that on reality television and it and it sparked shows like you know Joe Billionaire mm -hmm. and Farmer Wants a Wife yeah, and yeah. 
even the bachelor to a certain totally. extent. Yeah. yeah. I think it was a realization that there's such a demographic for, you know, in middle America for, for reality television. And it's interesting for me because as an adult watching it back, like I realized that obviously Paris Hilton and Nicole Richie were playing characters mm-hmm. and they were, you know, they were, they knew what they were doing. It was like a self-aware moment for them in some ways. Um, and they were master, masterful at playing those characters. But at the time I didn't, I didn't realize that I took it at base value. I thought they were, I thought Paris Hilton was really blonde and ditzy and didn't know what a Walmart was, which maybe she really doesn't know what a Walmart <laughs> is. She claims that she knew what a Walmart was and that that was just to like get people talking. Mm. But my speculation is that she did not know what a Walmart. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it seemed it seemed very genuine. But I do think that these this type of comedy laid the groundwork for people like Nathan Fielder and Joe Para and like mm. people that go into these situations as a character and then the the real content is about the people around them yeah um and I grew up like lower middle class so it's weird to think about this because for me I was laughing at Paris and Nicole with the family I wasn't laughing at the family totally and I think depending on where you were on class lines like you watch the show in a different way like, do you know what I mean? Like, I think upper I, middle class yeah. people were probably laughing at the Letting family. I don't know. I mean, I, I think that's a really interesting point, and I, I would love to hear more perspectives on it. It's yeah. hard because my memory, and I think that, like, they were really also, like, teenagers yeah. and young people are going to yeah see the absurdity of these women in this situation. Totally. And the joke was always about their behavior. Yeah. But I... I don't really think that the show frames the the letting family. The letting. Yeah. I feel like I can never remember the name. The letting. Yeah. I I don't think that they frame the letting family as anything other than like an up an upstart, like a good yeah. um quality yeah righteous family yeah they are like they're like america's bread and butter type of family there is one scene in that first episode where the grandma is killing a chicken yeah and it's edited almost like an 80s horror movie totally and i like i won just the editing in the show is insane and amazing and that like speaks to that but that scene is so and you know i didn't grow up in farmland i didn't grow up in arkansas so i had never seen a chicken be killed or skinned yeah. like that moment almost made me a vegetarian totally i'm sure it made a lot of people a vegetarian but Absolutely. The, the way it's it shot really with visceral. the yeah the yeah. camera tilt and going in and out of black and white and like yeah. horror music playing it's so that's one moment where i'm like yeah the, maybe the family is not the joke but it's giving us a glimpse into um at least for people on you know various coasts it's giving you the glimpse into that like real real hearty middle america feeling yeah yeah so in episode one and they go from their shopping trip to this shindig quote-unquote the fancy shindig at their home yes one of my favorite moments from the shindig is when paris says i'm gonna miss all of you (laughs) It's like, who are these people? These are yeah. not their, her close friends. No, you know? no, they're not her close friends at all. They're, you know, 30 extras and yeah. then maybe five people she actually knows. Yeah. I don't know. Or maybe it was actually, it, it, it was, it is this interesting time of like how much is produced and how much is real because I do think 
this time in reality television actually had more reality than than mm-hmm. we would even you know would even get close to getting now um because like her parents are there and they're kind of they're yeah. talking about how they hope that this teaches paris a sense of responsibility so she might go on to like you know conquer the family empire someday Kathy Hilton ends up becoming a reality TV person herself, right, right? right? Like she becomes a housewife. Right. This is also training for her. Yeah. And she's know? in that she's in that opening scene. Yeah. Um, because this launched Paris and Nicole. So, yeah, just to get into the chronology a little bit, um, Paris Hilton was already a very famous socialite mm-hmm. and model. Right. Her childhood, she moved between L.A. and New York. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was known as like a New York City socialite. Mm-hmm. And then, and she had known Nicole Richie, who's Lionel Richie's daughter, um, since they were, you know, two years old or something. Neither of them had really uh, broken out on their own. Yeah. You know, with the exception of being known in the tabloids for like right. being famous and rich and, yeah. and Nepo babies. Yeah. Right? The, the original, ultimate Nepo yeah. babies. Yeah. yeah. And they, uh, Paris Hilton, this is sort of her first screen appearance. She goes on to make an album. She goes mm-hmm. on to be in movies. Oh, Obviously, yeah. Stars are a- blind, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, she has like an illustrious career now that's sort of um, re-blossoming in, in yeah. this moment, which is really interesting. Yeah. Um, Nicole Richie, another really interesting trajectory right before this series was shot. She was actually arrested oh um, and God. sent to rehab. So she was sort of known as like a party girl. Yeah. Um, and she had been arrested for heroin possession. Wow. Yeah. And something else. So this was a re this was a rebrand for Nicole Richie. This was a she had already been cast on this show. (laughs) But it was it was her real launch too. And I Mm -hmm. I honestly think she's a superstar. Like I watch a show and I'm like, you're the real genius here. Like Oh, she's hilarious. She's so funny. You can tell that's a woman with like a real heart and yeah. a real um sensitivity toward other people's absolutely emotions. absolutely <laughs> and yeah paris hilton is like a little bit more detached from yeah the reality of it yeah. i think it's really interesting like their dynamic they play off each other so well and also i think paris hilton's rise and downfall has been this character of like mm-hmm. the the dumb girl that says stupid things and it's interesting to watch her rebrand that with like her documentary that came out in 2020. Oh my God. What am 2021. I yeah. 2021. Um, this is Paris mm-hmm. where she, you know, takes ownership of the character she's played. And she says, I've been playing it for 13 years. Like, yeah, I think that's really tricky though, because if you're saying you knew what you were doing and you were playing a character for 13 years, what about all the other shit you've said? What about the homophobic shit? Mm-hmm. What about the N word? What about the anti-Semitic shit you've said? She has been, so problematic in that character that the idea of her being self-aware I think it actually digs her a deeper grave yeah um whereas Nicole Richie does have empathy in this like you can you can see when she's like actually trying to do a good job on the farm like yeah and then when she realizes it's not good television and then does a bad job like you can see that she's in control of her narrative the whole time in a way that is so fascinating to watch she brings so much levity and mm-hmm. energy to it. Paris's character. I do think that she had a character. Mm-hmm. I also think that she has like 
eight characters. Yes. Yeah. I think you can actually tell by the tonality in her voice mm-hmm. which character she's playing. Yeah, yeah. That's you a know, good like point. I think that when she feels trapped mm-hmm. inside the home and mm-hmm. listen, like not to get astrological <laughs> on it, but Paris is she's an Aquarius. Like oh, you do not trap an yeah, Aquarius. <laughs> yeah, she needs to be free. Yeah. So she has, you know, I think the absurdity of being 22 years old and mm-hmm. being in someone's home and being told by the patriarch that she can't Absolutely. go hang out with friends yeah. at noon at yeah. the mall yeah. and that there's like a real moment of rage and she has like this like really low voice mm-hmm. her um, being trapped in the house that is such a i yeah it's like imagine imagine living in the house that she's lived in her entire life and having the accommodation she's and then she's sleeping on a pull-out couch with her best friend in arkansas like yeah there's a real moment of what the fuck am i getting into like there is no to my knowledge there's no hotel that they slept in during filming like they actually were with that family they lived in this family's home and in future seasons they don't do it that way mm-hmm. i imagine it was because just, she like, was like i'm never to... doing this again yeah, yeah i think both of them were like we can't do that and also i think that like the family became such a focal point yeah. that i also wonder if the production company was like no we yeah. have to make the story less about the family characters and more about sort of like who they meet along the way the family of the first season is what everybody thinks of when they think of the simple life. Like that is the most iconic season in my mind, like thinking about them going to the dairy farm Mm -hmm. and working there, thinking about them working at the drive through and not knowing how to make change for people. Like these are, it's, it's the most grounded and I think it has the best payoff, especially because the family, they do form a, a genuine connection with them. And I think it, again, like talking about bridging the gap and, middle america and coastal elite i think that was like an attempt to do that in episode three mm-hmm. the girls get a job at sonic mm-hmm. at the drive the drive-in yes and they're given a variety of tasks and i actually think that the two uh women who are their managers are probably harder on them than any other managers they get for the rest oh of yeah the rest of they the really time. want them to do a good job yeah they're invested in their growth at sonic yeah this is the standout do memory you think this them. was a brand partnership with sonic must have been it must have been right? it must have okay. been yeah yeah because yeah, they do a variety of tasks from you know working the actually like making the orders to working at the um drive through counter and then also like they're they roller skate things out to people too they, yeah they roller skate things out to people they talk to people the most iconic is the sign that they changed yeah though which what does the sign say i can't remember so the sign starts out saying United We Stand, oh, which God. I, I love this transition. And oh, I also feel God. like it's like the ultimate 2003 yeah. because that gives some context for when the show's filmed, yes. which is early, which is like spring 2003. Yeah. It comes out on December 2nd. Wow. The Iraq war has just started. Yeah. United so we, ha- we Stand says everything, says everything. Yeah. that we need to know about exactly the this moment in time. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, so they take United We Stand and they turn it into half price anal salty wieners. (laughs) (laughs) And then, I mean, it's just objectively funny. Oh my God. And they move, they move the ladder so that the managers can't change the lettering on the sign. Just perfect execution. Perfect execution. When they, when the managers are like, why did you do this? Nicole says, I'm not a good speller. (laughs) Wow. That might be one of my favorite Nicole moments from the series. Yeah. She's the mastermind. She is absolutely the mastermind of the show. And Paris is a sidekick, which isn't how it was always viewed, I think, because of societal beauty norm bullshit. Like Nicole was... Nicole, also, looking back, I remember... There are so many jokes in the show about her being, quote unquote, the fat friend or like the chubby friend. And looking back, I'm like, this girl's tiny. Yeah, tiny. Tiny. She's tiny. It's such a, it is such a moment in time, both in beauty standards. And I think pointing out that the sign said United We Stand before it was changed to half price anal wiener dogs. Anal anal salty wieners. Anal salty wieners. Excuse me. Um, Wow. Just, a, a, I can imagine Americans watching that and feeling very offended that the sign was changed that, to that. Yeah. Oh, right. My the, God. So, the sacred, the sacred sonic sign. After they do the sign shenanigans, mm-hmm. they get assigned punishment, which is they have to dress up like the sonic milkshakes yes. Yes. in these giant milkshake yes. suits and they just start flipping everyone off. Yes. Oh my god! And the manager, so I so I can mad. remember the yeah. like visceral madness of that manager. And I used to work at um, a mini golf and ice cream shop, and I had a manager like that for a while. So who just took it so seriously, you know, yeah. like really took that leadership position as like a sign that they were a true leader and uh, just ran with it. And I think that their boss at Sonic steps into that role. Uh, quite strongly and also there's probably a, a bit of like these people are here for a day and this is my life yeah um so there's totally. that anger there too i think that one of the things that always surprises me is like the mix of emotions i feel when i watch this show because i feel when i originally watched it it was like ha oh, like look at these dumb girls yeah i mean i i i think that same boat as you where when I first watched it I really really was like oh my god these girls are so stupid they don't know how to do like fast food stuff even I know how to do that and I'm 10 or right. 11 whatever yeah, like, they don't know what Walmart is yeah like, like I'm they've smarter never been to Sonic before yeah, yeah I'm smarter than these two women and then watching it back as an adult you do realize like they are comedians like they are comedians and they are really good at it even nicole richie hitting on guys in the drive-thru do you take baths together yes yes. so funny are all your workers hot like you like just the pure oh my god shamelessness of it the callousness of it it's so it's so funny it's so funny and also like the question to those those Two men, the two men smushed in a truck. If if they take baths together, <laughs> suggesting a level of homoeroticism that has not been yeah. introduced in that Arkansas town ever. Oh, totally. I mean, they make two boys kiss each other yes, on the lips. Yes, yeah, yeah. They're really bringing Los Angeles and New York to Arkansas. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's even a moment where like 
Nicole's talks about how watching men kiss turns her on. Yes. And yes. it's like such a shock even to Paris. Mm-hmm. Like Paris is like, ew, don't say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, Nicole is ahead of her time. She is oh, ahead of her time. But she's so it's it she's so cool and so effortlessly cool yeah. and funny that she definitely feels like the star of the show. And you see in those moments where she's changing the sign, it's like Nicole looking at her her goal and mm-hmm. Paris looking at Nicole for directions and what to yeah. do. Like that feels like their their absolute dynamic. Well, I feel like Paris really compartmentalizes the roles that she's playing. Yes. And like and that's what I mean when I'm like, you're watching Paris Hilton code switch when she goes mm. from like Oh my god, I love it. Yeah. To being like, this is so boring. Yeah. Like and you really and then there are like shades in between of that that yeah. I feel are like character to quote unquote authentic Paris, whatever that means. Yeah. Um And she also, when she genuinely does say something dumb, like what's a Walmart? Do they sell walls mm-hmm. there? She, once she realizes people are laughing at her, she then jumps on board to laugh at herself and totally. digs her heels in. Like she knows when to do that. It in the family, the Letting family, I think they're really interesting because they're so genuine and actually wanting to teach Paris and Nicole about yeah. like the way they live their life, especially the mom is so so sweet. And the son Braxton, like Bra- we love Braxton. Love Braxton. Yeah. I wonder where he is now. He's in law school. Oh my god, yeah. good for Braxton. <laughs> Braxton Braxton is doing really well. And I think he and Paris, like, or at least in an Instagram post from several years ago, she wrote that she was in touch with him and that it was when Curly had died. Oh, the grandpa. Yeah, yeah, grandma. Yeah, Yeah. Oh, grandma. Oh, my God. Grandma who's killed the chicken. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, I think that that's one of the reasons why the point of view of the show is like the laughs and the gags are always on Paris and Nicole versus on the town that they've sort of invaded Mm -hmm. and the people that they come into contact with. Yeah. Because it accentuates how crazy they are and how like different they are. Right. But you think about this family and this patriarch in particular, Albert Mm. imposing Mm -hmm. rules on these adult women yeah. <laughs> really you yeah. know i i don't know if they knew that that's what they were signing up for mm. and i had a lot of sympathy for them i mean waking up at like 4 a.m to go work at the yeah. farm and getting in trouble with your quote-unquote temporary like dad family yeah, yeah. It, it, it's it's a lot for and they are how older were they when they filmed this were 21 and 22 21 and 22 yeah it is crazy because you view them as like teenagers Mm -hmm. and I think you view them as like you're thinking about the family unit for the lettings you view them like I always thought they were around the sun's age but no they were like fully hitting on a 15 year old weren't they okay okay. (laughs) yeah joking about threesomes yeah 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 Wonder, you know, we're making out the lettings to be the moral, the, moral the morally, the show, exactly. Yeah. Like yeah. they're the morally right yeah. side of the coin. That's the brief that yeah. the pr- that production gave them was yeah. these girls are, you know, spoiled, entitled yeah. LA girls, and they've never worked a day in their life. And you need to teach them about what it's like. Right and to, wrong. Yeah. yeah. The letting family is united. We stand. And yeah. Paris and Nicole are half off <laughs> anal exactly. wieners. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I think the, 
the idea of like them just exposing that family to, you know, even the idea of like, you know, bathing with your farmer bro and homosexuality and all these things that like just did not exist or be talked about in that town. I think it's really interesting. It's somewhat powerful, but I would, I I would be curious to know what was happening off screen as well. And I'm sure there were some comments, like I'm sure there on both ends, I'm sure there's homophobic comments. I'm sure there's like a lot that yeah. Even rewatching the whole show, I bet there's a lot that made the cut that like totally. we would we would win. I remember um the sons when they're talking about Paris and Nicole are describing them as like dumb bimbo blondes mm-hmm. or whatever, just very like misogynistic in that way. Um, yeah. and and that was stuff that we were we were used to hearing and consuming all the time as women. Like that's the norm. Yeah. I mean, you can't help but feel that had this taken place after 2016 Mm. that they would have been calling them cosmopolitan yeah you know that there would be other coded language yeah um yeah the show is really a bush era show Mm -hmm. definitely you could not send these two girls to arkansas Mm -mm. in 2008 after the election of obama yeah yeah that's a great point or you would be yeah, it just it, the it, divide it, be- between city. Yeah, I think the evolution people. is yeah. like you have one end of the spectrum, which is a show like this, and then you have another end of the spectrum, which is a show like Queer Eye. One has intentions to make people laugh, and one has intentions to make people cry, but they're still doing the same like fish out of water, like mm-hmm. gay guys going to a small town and like you know revamping. Um, so I think it's the same side of the of you know or a different side of the same coin uh just how those things are executed and even 2008 yeah you you probably wouldn't make this show or maybe you would I don't know I'm like what would that look like now and the only thing I can compare it to is the current queer eye what feels retrograde and what feels mm, revolutionary yeah still you know when you watch it back like what feels revolutionary to you I think if we're going retrograde or revolutionary for this show, I say revolutionary because of what it did for comedy and how people have mimicked that comedic format in some ways. Like I really, I think about Nathan Fielder and the rehearsal and, um, you know, he's going and playing a father, um, with this woman who, you know, wants to have a kid. I don't know if you've seen the show, um, using a real woman, kind of morally ambiguous uh casting there but I think Paris and Nicole walked so Nathan Fielder and other (laughs) comedians could run like I think they're doing it in a more sophisticated way with better language now and and perhaps better boundaries but I think this is like the original type of reality television like a, a, a really a comedy um that I'm trying, I really can't think of anything else in 2003 that was as smart and funny as this. It feels revolutionary in that way. And, yeah. and retrograde in some ways. Like m- maybe it couldn't happen. Maybe they were saying problematic things at the time, but in terms of women in comedy, pretty revolutionary. That they're like, we know that you're making this, the joke here, you're making the joke on us. Yeah. And what we're going to do is not only like lean into that, yeah. but we're going to subvert it yeah. so that everyone here ends up sort of flabbergasted. Yeah. And we're going to do the joke on our own terms. If yeah. you're going to put us at this job and make us look stupid, then we're going to 
ditch the job and run across the street and roll around the grocery store aisle. Like they had control of their own narrative in a way that is really, really hard to have on reality television. Totally. Every time I rewatch it, I'm like, there's something really empowering about this, about walking into situations and recognizing that people are going to assume things about you. Mm -hmm. And they keep getting told by everyone in town. Everyone thinks you're bimbos. Everyone thinks you are spoiled. Right. And they also are like, if that's what you think of us, we'll play it up. We're not, we're not trying to prove you wrong. Right. Yeah. Like that's not why we're here. Yeah. And doing the hard work would have been proving them wrong, but it also would have been boring television. Totally different show. And what's the point of that? Yeah. What are they learning from that? What are they learning from like sticking their hand up a cow's ass? Yeah. I, yeah, that could have been a completely different show. Like it could have been. Paris and Nicole go and do a great job and show middle America that the coastal elites are not dumb and don't think they're better than, you know, than you, et cetera. Um, or they could go and fuck shit up and have a good time. Yeah. And they're, you know, and, and laugh about it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You can see that even though they're not having a good time because mm-hmm. they are, you know, they don't, they don't want to be there. Yeah. But they are having a good time because they're together and they're able to, make light of most of the situation yeah. that they're in. I would love to know what the contract negotiations were like for season two, because I'm sure after like yeah, genuinely having to wake up at four in the morning and stick your hand in a cow's ass, they were like, we need some boundaries. Yeah. The second season's great. It's really, really, really I, good. I haven't watched it in so long. Like this is the one that sticks out in my yeah. brain. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is iconic. Yeah. And by the second season, they're really like leaning into the character. Yes. So it loses some of the luster. You know, the first time that I rewatched this show after watching it in its original run in mm-hmm. 2003 was actually in 2015. Mm-hmm. A business partner and I were really struggling to raise money. Yeah. And we constantly felt like people didn't take us seriously. Mm-hmm. And we started rewatching this show together. And that was when it first sort of dawned on me just how actually empowering yeah. they were. Yeah. Like, you know, no one put this show on the air in 2003 to be like, here are your role models. Yeah. But watching it back, I absolutely recognize yeah. and feel inspired yeah. by how by how they don't they don't give a fuck. Yeah. There is a lot about Paris and Nicole that in this you know, in the simple life season one, that is timeless. And it's funny that you said you rewatched it recently because I, I did a full rewatch of season one in, uh, 2021 when I was working for Amazon and I was, uh, doing social for their TikTok platform. Mm -hmm. And we were thinking about ways to, you know, what content did Amazon have that appeals to teens on TikTok and the stuff that performed the best was simple life clips because, because they're iconic. It's subversive. It's smart. Um, it's ahead of its time in some ways. And also I think, you know, there's such a nostalgia for the early two thousands right now. And there's specifically such a nostalgia from teens for the early two thousands. Um, I went back to my old high school to speak and you know what they're watching. They're watching one tree Hill. They're watching the OC. Um, (laughs) they're watching all the shows we watched and so it was really interesting to, you know, cut down these clips, like the Walmart clip and the grandma cutting the, the chicken and all these things um, and put it on TikTok and have it like overperform and all the comments be like, what is this show I need to watch? Like it's wow. still, yeah. it's still iconic. Um, and, and that's it why it's, it, yeah, 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 yeah. It's not retrograde. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. 
there's a shift in the middle of the season from the focus being on Paris and Nicole and the sort of odd jobs that they're doing mm-hmm. to their interest in the boys and how they right. like they're like obsessed with the boys yeah. in this town and they each get like boyfriends or like boy right. toys to Which, distract like, them. It's like is this Stockholm syndrome for them? Like yeah. what is happening? Because <laughs> they are just they I they genuinely get crushes on these or maybe not genuinely, maybe again it's them being the masterminds of their own destiny. Well they keep saying the guys are our only escape. Yeah. The guys are our only escape. Yeah. Like all we do is work and hang out at, with this family. Yeah. And the only thing we have to escape is, is the guys having a little crush. Yeah. Yeah. On the yeah. guys. I think the first four episodes are that true fish out of water. And then the, you know, the last four are more like the temperature rising on a frog boiling yeah. where they're just like starting to actually acclimate with the place they are. Cause they were truly there for, I think what, a 30 days straight of yeah. filming. Yeah. Okay. A month. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And it's interesting that there's this conversation now and the sort of obsession with Nepo babies. Yeah. Like we said at the beginning, these are sort of the original yeah, Nepo they are. babies. They are. And yeah, they proudly go into this experience. He's saying they've never, had a job. a job before yeah. you know yeah the ultimate I, stamp of I a nepo think, baby i think nepo babies could really take a page out of paris and nicole's book in terms of owning the fact that they're nepo yeah. babies because no one is mad at paris elton or nicole richie for being nepo babies no one is like because they embrace the fact that they're privileged and that they've had a path carved out from them for a very young age like so i think that would be something that like Nepo babies today could really learn from because it's like Jesus Christ no one's mad at you if you just acknowledge it and if you just poke fun at it and you say like yeah Yeah. this is you know my great-great-grandfather was Carlton Hilton like that's yeah of course you're living in a big house and of course you know you're more privileged than other people I think that Nepo babies today are too caught up trying to hide the fact that they're Nepo babies and trying to be like well I I worked for everything I had you know right it's like okay yeah like there's no defense. There's no defensiveness no. about it. No, here. there's no defensiveness. It's an embracement of the Nepo baby. Mm-hmm. It is a warm, warm hug to being a Nepo baby. And it's a proud Nepo baby banner flying the yeah, whole time. This show couldn't be made with anyone other than Nepo babies. Yeah. yeah. It, ha- it has to be a Nepo baby. Because it also makes, I think, like you made a really good point earlier of like, we're laughing, you know, we're laughing at their sort of ignorance. And I think if it was someone more grounded that was a coastal elite, you wouldn't get that that elevated, like almost satirical feeling to to the comedy because they are just so out of touch and so in a different world. They are so 1%. Um, they're not even, they're just not near 99% of America because they are in the 1%. Like mm-hmm. not many people can relate to the lives that they have, they've had. We're actually not getting them in a lot of scenarios of their quote unquote real life. Like, right. We're not getting that perspective of what their Monday through Friday is like when they're back at home living in L.A. or New York or whatever. And, you know, when at the same time we have Tommy Hilfiger's daughter, Allie, and her friend Jamie, who are rich girls of the Upper East Side Mm. and rich girls. And it's truly just a fly on the wall of them going shopping every episode. And it's so unrelatable. Yeah. You know, and it's so... There's, of course, like a perverse fascination with it, but it's so inaccessible. It's it's almost boring. I feel that way when I watch the Kardashians. I'm like, this is incredibly boring. Yeah. Like, 
I want to see the hijinks. I want to see the drama. I want to see you interacting with real people because in, in shows like that that are like slice of life rich person, it's just fucking boring. It's boring. It's like I don't – I'm not interested in what they're doing all day. I'm not interested in the lunch where you talk about – what you're going to wear to the next event and then you get to the event and then you talk about what you wore to the event like that feels like the cycle of the kardashians and probably the cycle of rich girls and i think it is smart that you know we get 10 minutes of that in this opening episode and then the rest of the pilot is just mayhem talk about the fashion iconic Iconic. fashion and it's totally back like everything they wore in the show people are selling on depop right now yeah like it is it is so so back and uh yeah I mean I remember like the jean flared skirts I remember having a lot of those and like feeling very very Nicole Richie like sexy in those Mm -hmm. oh my god the low-waisted pants for Paris I've never seen pants lower than the ones on Paris in in the show show. yeah it's really like you're getting the v of her body and it's (laughs) very low um it also it's funny to know that Nicole was in rehab for heroin before because this is really heroin heroin chic era. Like yeah. this is this is skinny girl eating disorder fashion time. Yeah. This is let's show our zero percent body fat stomachs. Yeah. The thing is like Paris Hilton famously signed to Donald Trump's model management company <laughs> at the time. Um she was just this icon of yeah. like millennium Y2K fashion. Like, would Von Dutch hats yes. have happened without Paris Hilton? Absolutely sign-up? not. No, no way. absolutely not. And thinking about how Nicole was also like a fashion trendsetter, but didn't get the credit for it because she was a different body size. Like, yeah. and now looking at how her, you know, c- career has really been cemented in fashion. Yeah. Um, it's become you know her entire brand identity since. There's an episode where they're meeting with the quilt ladies. Oh, yes. And she's Tell like, your grandsons are yeah. single. Yeah. <laughs> but she keeps saying, like, it's squares. Like, do something different. Like, <laughs> put cigarette burns in it. She has she's, a fashion point of view. She has a point of view. Yeah, she you know? absolutely does. She doesn't want squares. No, she wants quilt. cigarette burns and yeah. ribs. She wants to be, you know, she wants to be next in fashion. She yeah. wants to be ahead. Yeah. She wants to be on Making the Cut, which yeah. she will be 20 <laughs> yeah. years later. Right. oh my god no but the the fashion of this time was so I remember like I I really really just I there were so many pieces of clothing I wanted a Von Von Dutch hat I wanted a juicy sweatsuit I wanted all of these things that were considered luxury items but totally like Von Dutch what like how is like how you're right that would not have taken off without Paris no way they can thank her for that so Paris, I just looked up how tall is Paris Hilton. She's only 5'7". She looks oh, like six feet tall. She, she does. She looks like a six feet tall alien. Like she's yeah. so tall. She's a string bean. Yeah. Just the longest torso, really long legs. Like, right. I don't know. Because her pants are sitting just yeah. above her clit. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> they are so low They're on so her. so low. And then her shirts are so small. Yeah. So, her, of course, and her proportions so look insane. skinny. I thought she was seven feet tall. Yeah. Because yeah. her proportions look wild. It is like that time in fashion, I think, was the most cruel and unforgiving time in fashion because nobody's body looks good in that except Paris Hilton. Totally. And her body doesn't look good in that, by the way. It's just we were conditioned to yeah. believe that that is what looked good. Yeah. When I think of their style, I do think of this the the Von Dutch hat position mm-hmm. just to the side. Yeah. Just to the side. Um, and then the bedazzled tank tops, um, the the thick belts. Like yeah. I I really I do I think Nicole Richie's style like sticks out for me in the show almost more than Paris's because Paris it is so unattainable. Yeah. Because it's so tethered to her body type yeah. that like Nicole's is actually like, okay, I could make that yeah, look that's cute. Like probably what the majority of us Look like. like yeah yeah, yeah. and and which is why it was so damaging that she was painted as like the chubby friend yeah um because then you realize like fuck am i the chubby friend but also she's the coolest part of the show so it's like yeah yeah why not is it's I feel like it really stands on any rewatch like absolutely I I truly like laughed out loud so many times watching it's a cultural artifact that is both still feels fresh but also is so so dated in such a fun way like I think it's the perfect mix of nostalgia but also as you said we can watch it along with them and like relate to them more and root for them and and really appreciate the the sense of control they have in their comedy and just how they're, you know, presenting themselves to the world. Yeah. And watch it back with the perspective and the recognition of perhaps what's not being show. What are the, yeah. um, what are the omissions here? And right? how would what's it be the today? Framing, yeah. Right. Because the framing was clearly this family is, they are doing a good job. Yeah, and there's genuine moments between them and Paris and Nicole, and I think that that they really do bond. I think if the show was made today, as we said, that would be the show—the genuine moments Mm -hmm. bridging the gap rather than laughing at the gap. What are your loves? It. What do we love? Ooh. Loves it of the simple life. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think my loves it are Braxton. Mm-hmm. Uh, loves it. Grandma. Grandma uh, Curly. Grandma Curly. Loves it. Uh, I I think suggesting the two men in the truck take a bath together. Loves Absolutely. it. Absolutely. And then I love the sonic sign change. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I loves... I loves Nicole. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think I think that she's like a real comedic wizard. Absolutely. And I also think that she is so good at diffusing tension. Mm-hmm. She makes a really excellent TV yeah. reality TV character for yes. that reason. I loves in one of the last episodes, Kathy Hilton sends the girls Chin Chin, oh, which yeah. is an iconic Beverly Hills uh 
fusion restaurant. They oh have the one of the best Chinese chicken salads in town. Wow. Yeah, it's so good. Wow. There's only one left. It's in Studio City. Okay, now. we're gonna have it's to go. Great. We're gonna have to go and get the Chinese chicken <laughs> it's salad. So good. Um, so that that for me is a real nostalgic yeah. thing watching it. Because yeah. we used to go to Chinchin a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um and I I love watching it and recognizing being able to like differentiate all of the masks that Paris Hilton is putting on simultaneously. hundred percent. I think knowing how curated and calculated she is really is, yeah. is a great, uh, great context to have on the rewatch. Yeah. And I think my greatest loves is, <laughs> um, is feeling inspired to look at a world that is predisposed to assume something Mm -hmm. about you or Mm -hmm. that is that looks at you in a certain Mm -hmm. way and to defy it with humor absolutely they owned their narrative in a time that women didn't really have ownership over themselves yeah they easily could have been put into the jessica simpson absolutely i think that's like the difference in how they both handled it not to not to blame Jessica Simpson. I think she, you know, she also has like a borderline abusive husband that she's, uh, you know, filming this show with. But I think it's like the camaraderie they had and having yeah, each other. Um, totally. It really makes the show special. Um, I love I love how much they own their narrative. I think it's 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 iconic. Honestly, Simple Life. That's hot. That's how I feel about it. <laughs> I, f- I still feel it's hot. <laughs> Loves it. Loves it. Thank you. Thank you again. Thank you for having me. So it wouldn't be fair to call Paris Hilton the icon of 2003 without acknowledging that there was another icon who that year broke out on her own and released her first solo album, Beyonce. Unlike Paris, whose fame has had its ebbs and flows, Beyonce's trajectory has only skyrocketed from her first post-Destiny's Child effort. Dangerously in Love was released on June 24th, 2003. Beyonce was the executive producer of the album and co-wrote a majority of the songs on it. The album contains numerous bangers, including most notably Crazy in Love, Baby Boy, and Me, Myself, and I. This week's song of the week is Crazy in Love, Beyonce's breakout single from her breakout solo album. Thanks again to Kirsten for joining me to discuss The Simple Life. If you have thoughts or comments on The Simple Life, you can send us an email at classof03pod at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram at classof03pod. If you like this episode, please rate it and review it. We really appreciate you. Class of 03 is written, produced, and hosted by me, Helen Grossman. Our theme music is by Luke Schwartz and Evan Joseph of Sawtooth, and our show art is by Maddie Herbert of Dame Studio. Thanks, and see you next time. Class dismissed.